everyone. This is episode 22 of the Risen Fly Fishing Podcast. Thank you guys for listening and checking everything out today. Uh, I believe today's the day after Easter, so I hope you guys had a great Easter weekend and uh, had some time to hopefully spend out on the stream today um, or recently. But anyways, today what we're going to talk about is bugs. So we're going to give you some basic bug identification uh, information so that the next time you're out on the water, you've got a little better uh, opportunity to be able to match the hatch. Uh, so right here where we are, this is start of the prime of the bugs hatching. Uh, one of our major hatches just started a couple days ago with the granums. And we wanted to kind of give you some info so that the next time you go out, uh, you can hopefully get some more fish on dries. Um, before we get started, I want to let everyone know that you can hop on our website. Um, if you've never purchased off of us before, or if you haven't even used it, uh, when you hop on the site, there's a pop-up there. You can add your email. Uh, we're not one of those companies that sends you like eight emails a day. We might do three or four a month. Um, but uh, if you add your email into there, we'll email you a code for 15% off your next order. So a great way to save a couple bucks next time you put something through us. But let's move forward, talk about some bugs. Um, so we'll talk a little bit kind of what we do in one of our classes in the shop. We do a four-week intro to fly fishing course and one of those courses or one of those classes through that course, uh, we talk about insects and bugs and all kinds of stuff. So, um, the first thing that we want to discuss is why are some bugs, um, fully aquatic or there are some bugs that are fully aquatic and then what are some of the other bugs that... Uh, we end up using as well, and what's the difference? Uh, so the main difference is that there are a handful of bugs that their whole life cycle goes through the aquatic system. So they're either on or in the substrate of uh, the rivers and streams that you're fishing. So uh, they might be burrowers underneath the ground, or they might be clingers that are attached to rocks. But uh, we need to understand that, I always say, I always laugh that I never thought I'd use my 8th grade science class more than fly fishing. Um, we need to understand the full life cycle here and understand that um, we've got these bugs that are going to be in different stages throughout the entire time of their life through in the streams here. So, we'll start at the very beginning. It's always a good place to start with uh, the egg. So, when mommy and daddy, yeah, we're not going to go into that, um, when they finally mate the bugs here in the water system, they um, will drop eggs down into the bottom of the stream. So these eggs are going to uh, eventually hatch into some sort of nymph. We'll call that a nymph just to kind of simplify it for today's uh, podcast. And these nymphs will slowly grow. So each and every time they grow, most of them will do like a, what a snake does when it grows is it shucks its exoskeleton. Um, and these insects will do pretty much the same as well. So depending on what time of year these bugs are hatching, you want to figure out what size these insects are as they're growing. So if all of a sudden they just got laid as an egg last month, uh, they're not going to be very big. They might be a size 30 at best. Um, so when we're talking about uh, matching the hatch or even looking at some of the nymphs that you're fishing, depending on the season that you're in, you might want to downsize your flies just because of what the natural food source for these fish are in the system. So if they're hatching in May, June, um, and you're fishing in February, 
they even though they're hatching as a size 14 or 16 they might be at 22 uh, a couple months before then because they're still growing so uh, be on the alert for um, what stage these bugs are in even if they're in just the nymph stage which they're going to be in for you know 360 days of their life so we've got these nymphs that are on the bottom and when they finally feel like they're big enough and they're ready to hatch based on water temperature time of year um, a bunch of different factors uh, what they're going to do is uh, some of them are going to swim to the top of the surface they're going to get to the surface and shuck their exoskeleton as a nymph turn into an adult with wings wait for their wings to dry and fly off now there are exceptions to this rule um, but during this stage here so we call this the emergence uh, these are very very vulnerable um, bugs that are going to be eaten very often so rather than like rooting around on the bottom or waiting for something to get dislodged uh, these fish are actually seeing these bugs move in front of them so they're very clumsy most of them aren't very good swimmers and they're going to be uh, swimming all the way to the top and then as they get to the top they've got to wait just like a butterfly does out of its chrysalis they got to wait for their wings to dry before they fly off so all of these, uh, this kind of micro stages here are all great opportunities to catch fish. You know, mainly we're talking trout, but um, this can definitely go into effect for other species that you're sitting uh, in your local streams. Um, so the exceptions to the rule are there are some bugs that actually hatch into winged adults uh, in the water and actually swim up to the top and fly off from there. Um, very, very quick emergers. Uh, some of your burrowers, like your drakes, are this way. And then you've got your stoneflies, which uh, actually crawl to the banks. So when you see the big stonefly hatches out west, um, most of those are going to the rocks on the bank. You'll see them shuck their exoskeletons, dry their wings on local you know, uh, trees and bushes and stuff like that, and then fly off. Um, so let's explain before we go into any more detail kind of the difference between what I would say the three classes of bugs So we just talked about stoneflies stoneflies um, Can range from the little black and little brown stoneflies that we see around here Sometimes even called snowflies because they can come out in February and March They can range in size most of those are 16s to 20s And then you've got your big ones out west that can be a size 4 You know on a huge uh, extended uh, shank hook So they're massive ones um, stoneflies have two sets of wings that lay flat on their back so when they're not flying they're flat on their back but when they do fly they look kind of like a dragonfly with two sets of wings um, most of them are not fantastic flyers so out west when you are fishing any sort of stonefly hatch like the salmon flies they're clumsy they end up in the water and sometimes a nice easy drop into the water isn't as effective as slapping that fly on the water as hard as you can to get the attention of the fish of this clumsy bug um, flying straight into the water there. Uh, so that's your stoneflies. You're going to see those all across the country and a little bit uh, easy to identify when you see them flying that they've got two sets of wings. Uh, the next one we'll talk about is the caddisflies. Caddisflies I always try to explain as a aquatic moth. They have one set of wings and lays flat on their back. They're very clumsy flyers as well. Um, they're very prolific in terms of being in good and bad quality streams. So we see them all the time in places that we don't see a whole lot of other bugs. Um, the nice thing about caddisflies is, like I said, they're a little bit clumsy. So 
the caddisfly hatch that we're seeing here locally with the granums. Um, telling some people in the shop that it's a nice hatch to fish if you don't really know what you're doing or not confident in your drag-free drift because of how these bugs act on the water. They don't just sit there and float down like some mayflies, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, they kind of skitter, they hop, they're very clumsy, they flop around. So you can, which I do, is actually make it move on purpose rather than having a drag-free drift and, and sometimes get um, some more uh, aggressive strikes that way. So these caddis, they actually go through a pupa rather than a nymph, but we don't need to talk about the difference there. One of the big differences for them is they actually make a, we'll call it a housing um, in the nymph form. So a casing is what most people call it. And they can range from, um, you know, the granum caddis that we have locally. It's like a four-sided little cocoon that they make with their heads sticking out of one end. There are some that use rocks and pebbles. There's some that use sticks. Um, they do move while they're in here, so it's not like they're permanently stuck to the rocks on the bottom. They are going to move around. Um, and when they swim to, up to the top, they're kind of like a, almost a worm with a little bit of legs up towards the head. So they're not very good swimmers. So that uh, emergent stage can be very effective in swinging wet flies, you know, two or three of the exact same thing. And uh, check your local, so when you flip rocks, you can actually pull some of these apart. There's usually plenty that if you pull one or two apart, it's not going to be a big deal on uh, the bugs hatching. And see what color the pupas are. They can range from tan to olive to brown to bright green. Um, so tying up uh, like a curved caddis hook in a pupa uh, can be really, really effective right before and even during the hatch. Um, and then, like I said, they come uh, up to the surface. They're going to wait for their wings to dry. Sometimes they kind of, what we call dap, they kind of hop back and forth before their wings are fully dry, before they fly off. So uh, these fish in these streams can be very, very aggressive in trying to take these bugs. And last but certainly not least of the bug species we're going to talk about today is the mayfly. Most people equate the mayfly to kind of the top bug that most people are looking for because there can be huge hatches of them. Um, and it's just kind of the bug that most people can look at and know, okay, that's a mayfly. So mayflies uh, have one set of wings that stick straight up on their back. So as they're floating down the stream, you can look at them and it looks like they've got... Uh, you know, a, a tent or a sail on the back of them. Um, they can range in size from very tiny trichos in size 22-24s to some of the bigger ones, uh, the drakes, the hexagenias that might be up to a size uh, 6 or 8. Um, so they can be in a wide range. Some have two tails, some have three tails. Um, but these guys are going to be in a lot of healthy streams out there. And sometimes, like I said, they can uh, be in huge, huge numbers. I know like central Pennsylvania here locally, Spring Creek, Penns Creek, they've got hatches of mayflies that bring people from all over the country and all over the world to fish them. Uh, so the famous green drake hatch on Penns is so big that in some of the back eddies, you can reach down and literally just pick up a handful of the spinners as they come through. We'll talk about that uh, stage of the life cycle here in a second as well. So we've got all these bugs that have kind of come through. They've hatched. They've turned into adults. Um, the adults on the mayfly, we call them duns because they actually go out to the local trees and shrubberies and will do a second molt as an adult. 
Um, when they do the second molt as an adult, they will change their wing color. Usually it comes out as like a grayish blue. We call it done. And then as they do their second molt out there from uh, adult to adult, they'll call a spinner. And most of the spinner wings are going to be a little bit more clear or they're going to have what we call modeling, which might be a little bit of black or brown, like webbing almost, on their wings. So if you have seen the bugs hatch throughout the day, you can kind of walk the stream banks and underneath leaves and on different uh, branches and stuff, you should be able to see these bugs as they've transitioned into the next phase there. Um, so the stoneflies and the caddisflies don't do that, so the mayflies do. And then with most of these insects, as they have uh, gone throughout their day as an adult, some will come back that same evening, some in a couple days, but max, like two, three days, they'll live as an adult. And then most of the life cycles in the evenings or later after they've hatched within a couple hours, they're going to come back. So especially with mayflies, we call this the power hour in fly fishing where you're... Um, the fish might have shut off because they know a big meal is coming, and a lot of times you'll see these bugs congregating at the tops of trees in what we just call clouds uh, in the in the fly fishing world. So you're going to see these clouds of bugs. They're males and females, kind of uh, you know on the dating scene. Uh, you know they're they're on Tinder trying to figure out who matches them, and uh, they're going to slowly work their way down to the water. So as the last hour or so of daylight, you're going to see these bugs hovering overhead instead of the treetops. Um, many of them, you're going to see them, the males and females actually physically connecting there. Um, and then shortly after that, you'll see the females come down and drop the fertilized eggs that they have. So both the males and females, after they're done dropping the eggs, are going to die off. So this is what we call the spinner fall, which these spinners will fall down on the water and being dead, and then we have specific patterns called spinners um, that are a, a spent wing, where the wings uh, on these fly patterns are going to be out uh, on the sides rather than on the top because the bugs are dead, they're floating down the stream, and now these fish have an absolutely free meal that they don't have to chase over, and you know, hundreds of them, if not thousands of them in certain sections. So you know, if all of a sudden you're sitting there chasing after food all day long, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to pause for a couple hours because I know Uber Eats is going to show up with like three pizzas for me. You're, you know, you're going to wait for Uber Eats because you've got no effort before your pizza shows up. And that's kind of these, these fish are going to do. Sometimes the bugs are hatching all day long and they might pause from 6 till 8, 8.30 and not really eat because they know the delivery uh, driver is showing up with all these uh, very easy meals showing up here in the last hour or so of, of daylight. Um, important if you are fishing this, bring some sort of light source, headlamp, flashlight, hopefully not your phone because you don't want to drop that, um, and be ready for that full life cycle. And then like we said in the very beginning, these uh, insects have dropped eggs. They've dropped down to the bottom, and we've started that whole life cycle over again. So one of the things that kind of sucked me personally into fly fishing is the predictability of this. So, you know, I've talked several times about this granum hatch. It's typically the second week in April on the same streams at the same time every year. So I know that I can bring the patterns that I've had success in the in past years and even tweak a couple things, show up on the stream, pending the water conditions are good, and uh, be successful in catching fish, uh, especially on dry flies. So the more you fish, the more you can understand these cycles and how long they last. So this one in particular lasts, I don't know, five, six days. It's a very short hatch. 
where you've got certain hatches, like some of the sulfurs. Um, I know locally there's three different sulfur hatches, one after the next. They go um, 14, 16s, 18s in sizes, and they last like two and a half months through all three of them. So um, depending on where you are, you can have some very long sustaining hatches. And then you've got things like blue-winged olives as a mayfly that they love dark and dreary days, and they'll kind of hatch all year round. Um, some in different sizes, but uh, you can almost count on the the dog days of uh, you know cloudiness that blue wings typically like to hatch during that time for whatever reason. Um, so that kind of explains the life cycle of bugs in the water system. And then the last thing we're going to talk about are bugs that aren't living in the water system that end up there. So we categorize these all into one big lump sum as terrestrials. These can be anything from ants and beetles in the summertime to grasshoppers as well to, um, I know locally we had a tentwing caterpillar um, that they would build these like um, silk nests and some of them would fall into the stream. So they would be anything from a, a bright green to a fuzzy brown and we'd imitate those locally. Anything from a green weenie to just a, a you know, curved caterpillar type pattern, dry fly and nymph, uh, when we're tying them. And then you've got other things like frogs and mice and bait fish, um, other things that aren't bugs that are going to be in the water system. Sculpin patterns are huge, especially for big brown trout. They're uh, kind of a bottom feeder with a very large head that tapers into a tail um, that your woolly bugger and zonkers like slump busters really imitate well and uh, can be a great food source for these fish. Um, there's other things that we're, I'm probably missing, but uh, dragonflies and damselflies, especially in still water, can be a big food source both in the nymph phase, and those will limp, live um, all through the aquatic system as well. So there are other exceptions or things that I just didn't touch on. Uh, crane flies are going to live in the water too. Um, I always tease that a mop fly kind of looks like a crane fly larva because they're big and fat and ugly and juicy and a big meal for, for these fish. So there are some other things. I'm sure I've missed something. You can comment down below if I missed any sort of natural food source that uh, is in the water system. But hopefully when we've covered um, caddisflies, stoneflies, and mayflies, you've understood the difference between them. Um, and then you can uh, do your absolute best to match the hatch. So here's my three rules of priority of matching the hatch. Uh, the first one is type of bug. So if a mayfly is hatching and you're throwing a stonefly, you're probably not going to see much success there. You may catch a fish or two, but um, you want to try to match the right profile. These fish are looking up. So if you ever look at something directly into the sun, you usually don't see... Uh, color, you see the profile of whatever that is, whether it's your hand or an object like an airplane. Um, when you're looking directly up at something, you're not really seeing that. You're just seeing the profile. So the correct profile, I think, is key there. Um, the next thing is size. So if the bug hatching is a 16 and you're throwing a 10, probably not going to get many hits once again. Um, but if it's a size 16 mayfly and you threw a size 16 mayfly, you're probably going to have a bunch of success. Which leads into the last one, which is color. Um, the Adams mayfly is one of the top patterns ever in the history. Uh, there is no Adams fly. Um, it's a generic gray pattern with a uh, grizzly and brown hackle, and it just kind of matches a little bit of everything. So once again, if you had a 16 mayfly and 16 mayflies hatching, and the one that's hatching is a tan and you've got a dark brown, you're probably still going to catch fish. But if you throw a tan on, you might have a little better success there. 
So prioritize your bugs uh, that you're trying to throw in terms of flies in matching them of type of bug, size of bug, color of bug in that order. So we hope today was a lot of great information for you guys. If you have any more questions on things, feel free to throw a comment down on any of the sources that we throw this podcast up at, or just email us. Uh, so you can email Adam at Adam at risenfly.com or me, Ryan at risenfly.com. Um, and we'd be more than happy to answer your questions. If you're local, you can pop into our shop as well, or you can make any comments on our social media accounts. But we hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast today. I know not everybody wants to listen to me for 20 minutes, which my wife said she probably never wants to do that um, on this podcast, but this isn't for her. It's for you guys. Uh, but I appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys listening. Once again, hop onto our website. Uh, we do have some great things going on now. Got a lot of our products back in stock recently. Uh, I know a little over a week ago, we got about 20,000 flies in. Our LW Reels came back in. Um, we've got about another 15 or 20,000 flies coming in about a week. And then a bunch more after that. So we've really been updating our inventory on flies. I know we've been out of stock on some things, but we wanted to really build that up. We've added, oh gosh, I think I've ordered 200,000 flies in the last six months. So we're waiting on some of those to still continue to be tied. And then we're also adding uh, some more hooks soon, some other small accessories. And then I know we've talked briefly on other podcasts. We're prototyping some other rods. So hopefully in a few months, we'll have some more detailed information on that and uh, show you some fun pictures of what the final builds are going to be once we're done with them. But thank you guys again for listening. Tune in next time and have a great day.